Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Sexton out front, open three. He hit nothing but net. You think he's feeling it? Love with his back to the basket against Barton. Love in the lane. Hook shot. Good. He worked the mismatch. Back to Love on the left side. Whipped it underneath the porter. Pow! With two hands. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the radio studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Boy, it feels good to say that again as Jim and I get together again to bring you the very first edition of Cavs HQ. And again, it's presented by Sherwin-Williams. Jim, as I said Great to talk to you again, especially on the radio. Now, we've done this a few times over the phone, etc. But, man, and it's good to talk basketball, which we'll be doing on Cavs HQ. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, when uh, Dave Dombrowski called the other day and, and said there was a shot that we could do Cavs HQ radio, he paused. I said, why are you pausing? I said, heck, yeah, let's yeah, let's do some work. <laughs> we'll do some work. Uh, speaking of that, uh, the Cavs got some work in here at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Again, we're in the radio studios, yes. but they were just outside on the floor. How beneficial do you think that was for JB and the staff to get these guys back together and get some work in as a group? Well, if you, you know, uh, this virus has uh, changed and traumatized everything uh, uh, from a physical aspect, but more so from a psychological aspect. We call it a, uh, a competitive edge, and you can lose your edge. Uh, you can practice and play pickup games and do drills as much as you want, but nothing can simulate actual play. And uh, if they had not done the bubble, there is no way that they could have been uh, ready by whenever the league thinks it's going to go back. I, I've been hearing, Tim, uh, late, late, uh, or late December or even January, but whenever they go back, they would have definitely been behind. And not necessarily because they're young players and maybe they don't have a systematic approach to preparation, but it has more to do with the psychological edge that you need 
and the many of our young kids who we're, who we're depending on have been building that based upon their experiences last season. So to not have that and then the bottom fall out, and now all you're doing is scrimmaging, practicing against guys uh, at the Y and all this kind of stuff, and then when, when with your personal trainers makes it awfully difficult to maintain the edge. So I heard that the Cavaliers were the main push behind doing a bubble because Kobe and B and Bickerstaff and his people understood that based upon where they are right now as a young team, they cannot afford to miss any type of competitive action for extended periods. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the show. But right now we're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, my co-host Jim Jones has lined up a very special guest. We're going to hear from Norm Nixon great player with the Los Angeles Lakers and Jim's former teammate. We'll chat with Norm following this on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones and boy to start off the very first show we couldn't ask for a more prestigious guest and then the guy who joins us on the phone line right now, two-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA champion, but of course the most important thing, a good friend and a former teammate of my co-host, Jim Jones. Jim, we appreciate you lining up Norm Nixon for our show tonight. Well, I appreciate Norm uh, taking the time uh, to uh, help us with our show. One of the things about Norman is that I think, Norm, I, and uh, you're more – you're a lot busier now than you were when you were a player. <laughs> you know, it's just that we're older and we feel like we're more busy. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. That's it's better. It's better you say it to me since I'm way older than you. <laughs> to start out, Norm, I just wanted to talk about you know your beautiful family and how's everybody doing. Oh, we're good. You know, Jim. You know, we're just taking precautions. My mother-in-law's here, who's 97, so we're making sure we just you know being smart. Yeah. I, I tell my kids and my wife uh, when we when we talk about it, I'm going to err on the side of being cautious. So I'm, I, we're being very cautious. So we're doing well out here. Everybody's healthy. So that's a beautiful thing. Now, Norm, this is Tim. I wanted to ask you real quick before we got started here. You were saying hello to Jim, and you called him. Stop crusher. it, Tim. Stop it, Tim. Oh, come on! <laughs> I tell now, you, when Jim the Crusher Jones calls. You know, we answered. So the question <laughs> called, and I answered. <laughs> now, you got to let the Cavs fans uh, who know Jim all the way back to his days here, Miracle of Richfield and all of that, where did Jim the Crusher Jones come from? We know him you as know, Sweets. It's a name Magic and I just lovingly gave him because he was out there crushing power forwards. <laughs> so it was our way of just silence saying keep crushing them crusher so we did whenever we whenever they introduced him you you would see us standing out sometimes putting our arms in the shape of a big c for the crusher <laughs> norm you as i mentioned two-time all-star two-time nba champion uh, with those laker teams and of course jim was a teammate uh, in all seriousness Talk about Jim as a teammate. What attributes he brought to the floor, the leadership to really blend with all of the great players that were on those Laker teams. Well, you know, we always have vocal leaders. Sometimes you need someone that can lead you quietly. So Jim was a quiet leader. Uh, yeah. Brought a lot of wisdom to the team. Was was a veteran. And, uh, you know, I was young on that team as well. You know, we were a very young team when we won 
uh, that first championship. You look at Magic, myself, Jamal, we were the youngsters on the team. Uh, Jim and uh, Kareem were the veteran guys. And uh, when you get these tough points, like you see in these championship series now, you need veteran guys. And me and Magic, both as young players, every now and then you need somebody to come to you, hey, don't, don't worry about it, young fella. You're better than these guys. Just keep playing. You're going you're gonna to get your rhythm. You're going to be all right. You're in a slump. So you need that kind of uh, push. And I think that's what our veteran guys and that's what Jim uh, brought to the team. Well, I want to thank you, Norm, for that. But what people don't realize is that that was the first year of Showtime, right? Oh, it was the first year. I mean, we had two-point guards, and we both were probably in the top five in assists. And uh, we were both very different players. You got a guy like Magic that in a half-court setting that was 6'9", that could look over any point guard and make great passes, that could handle the ball in the break. And I think you had uh, me that had the speed. Yep. Uh, it was a whole different kind of attack when I got the ball. I, got, I could push it up court. I had the ability to make the plays and close these three-on-two where we ensured that we got the two points instead of fanning out for threes. But <laughs> so, so, yes, it was, it was the first time. We were a running team, and, and that's why we were called the Showtime team. Norm, I remember uh... – Quite vividly, in fact, uh, we called. Uh, they took Kareem every time they took Kareem out of the game. It was like new life for us, and we started running because you know I could get up and down the floor, and we were more of a running team. And I remember Kareem on the sideline during a timeout said, "Why don't y'all run like that when I'm in the game?" <laughs> well, but also too, you got to remember they would bring in um, they would bring in Coop as well. Yes, and so we were flying. Coop, you know, Silk almost be uh, power four, and at that time. Cooper and I would pick guards up full court, and uh, yep. when the tra- when you know when Kareem sat down, we pretty much said, "Okay, guys, time to run." <laughs> it was time for us to put the pressure on defensively and change the tempo of the game. Again, we're talking with Norm Nixon as he joins us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And Norm, you referenced something there about the three ball, and it's amazing when you look back to when. You and Jim played as to the current game, the present game. Uh, talk about the evolution of the three ball, the three-point shot, and, and how you feel it impacted the NBA game, and also perhaps how the game in your time would have been different if everybody had been three-ball crazy. Well, you know, we didn't, we didn't practice threes. I mean, when the line first came, we might go through a whole – I know I would go through a whole season, maybe shoot 20 or 30 of them because we were brought up to score – those two points when we got out in three on two. This league now, they practice it. Uh, defenses are different. They're a little softer now. They can't play as physical as we could. So they, I guess the NBA made the uh, decision to try to just change the game. They thought it would be more exciting. So you can have a team like a Houston with five guards out on the court, and they can actually be competitive. And I would say that wouldn't happen. Uh, the other thing that I think changed it around was when the European centers started coming. They had what, quote, stretch four, stretch five, and they just believed that was the way to play. Jones would tell you, if I was playing with Embiid and he was my seven-footer, he had about one or two chances to shoot a three. One time because he was just having some fun, but after that, I would have been in his face, man, get down on the box. (laughs) Yep, that's right. So we just believed in a different style of play, and I still do. I think a good big team will always be the good small team. And when I say big team, guys that can get on the box, that can make, that can score and get the opposing teams in foul trouble. So do you like the evolution of the three ball? Do you wish it wasn't quite as prevalent? Where do you fall there, Norm? No, I think they can, they can have the three ball, but if I were coaching today, 
that wouldn't be my, you know, the analytics about shoot more threes than twos. That wouldn't be the way I would want to play. I want to have a big guy that can go in the box. And if you watch this series right now, the Lakers win when they play bullet ball. They get on the box. But when they start shooting threes like they did in the last game, then they become a beatable team. You know what it is also, Norman, uh, from a big man psyche, these particular kids, and that's what I'm going to call them, they don't have the patience to understand that it's a 48-minute game. I can go down low two or three times in a quarter and still be able to get up and down the floor and shoot in space and shoot my threes. It's like it's, it's like they feel they're giving up something. But that physicality is a fundamental part of our game. And slowly but surely, Norm, it looks like they're taking it away. Well, like I say, with the European center, those guys were more skilled than our big guys because yeah. they practiced handling the ball, shooting threes. I mean, I couldn't imagine – uh, us getting a rebound and Kareem waving me down court, or even you, Charles, waving me down court so you yes, can bring right. me on court. I, <laughs> I stop and go, hey, man, get on the box. I'm not coming right. to the box. Stay out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's just a different game now. I, I think with the uh, the way they call the defenses now, you can't touch anybody. Um, so it's just a different game than it was when I played. Boy, no and doubt. when we played, Jim, actually. Norm, you referenced the NBA Finals. Tell you what, we'll take a quick timeout, and when we come back with Norm Nixon, we'll talk about the 2020 NBA Finals. The Lakers and the Heat will get his thoughts on that series right after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones, and again, what a special guest to start things off, Norm Nixon two-time NBA All-Star and, of course, two-time NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers. And, Norm, the Lakers are going for another one. So, uh, Jim, why don't you and Norm talk a little bit about the 2020 NBA Finals? Yeah, hey, I would, Jim, yeah. before you do that, I just have to say one quick thing. Let me What's uh, digress for a moment. I went to Duquesne, so I came over <laughs> to uh, uh, Cleveland when they was in the championship series when Foot Walker was playing uh, guard and Bingo right. and Jones. And I thought they cheated on you guys. They <laughs> anyway, did. That's another story, Joe. <laughs> it, is, it, it is. But even another story, Norm, you've played for the Clippers and the Lakers. Come on, let's talk a little bit about the Clippers' demise. Oh, man, that was an implosion. You know, when you see uh, – well, there are a couple of things. Number one, I said part of the reason could have been fatigue because, Jones, you know, there was always – we called it the dog day weeks. We had two weeks when we might play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. But it was just one period of time. When those guys went in the bubble, they were playing every other night for a long period of time. So when I looked at the Clippers team, you talk about a Paul George who's been coming off a lot of injuries. Uh, then you, all this low management, Kawhi Leonard, low management because he was coming off injuries. I thought injuries probably played a little bit in, into their effectiveness as we got deeper into the playoffs. And the second thing, whenever you see a team up 3-1, up 18 points in two or three games, there's a problem in the locker room because you can't, you can't lose games when you're up 18 in the third quarter. That's just – so I just felt they wanted to make changes. Yeah, it was time, Doc. You know, Doc, a Marquette man now. He's been there a long time. But, but uh, Nick, who did you pick? I mean, who are you going with? Are you going with the Lakes or are you, are you going with McAdoo's Heat? No, I, I, I picked the Lake. I, listen, I picked the Clippers and the Lakers for the Western Conference Final. I picked. Uh, I didn't pick Miami to, to come out until I saw them play. I, I never thought it was going to be Toronto or Milwaukee. I just didn't okay. think they could do it. Yeah. I thought maybe Boston, 
But when I saw Miami, I felt like they had the goods to get out. But against this Laker team, they're really overmatched when the Lakers play the right way. I want to ask you, Norm, about that winning culture in Miami uh, with Pat Riley, of course, at the helm and Eric Spolstra. Uh, they've had a couple of dips in the road, no doubt about that, but they never seem to quite hit rock bottom. Uh, is that just a mentality, that winning culture in an organization? It's a winning culture. You know, I, I talk about when I first uh, left the Lakers and got traded to the Clippers. I went from the best team in the league to the worst team in the league. And when you go to the worst team, you see why. There's a revolving door with coaches. There are revolving doors with players. You got ten players. You got ten co- ten players every year. You got a coach every other year. And some of these things. Look at teams that lose, and you can find those things that will be common. There is no consistency, no patience to build and put a team together. Count socks in the locker room. I mean, uh, terrible stories about Sterling. Every way could cut a corner. So. Those are things that are uh, symptomatic of a uh, losing franchise. The Heat, they've been a winning team. Riley's been around winning. And there are certain things about a winning culture that just have to exist in order to even build a championship team. And, of course, the Lakers uh, with that history and tradition as well. Uh, This was my first year as the Cavaliers play-by-play guy, so my first trip to Staples Center. And, boy, when you look up and you see those banners and the retired (laughs) numbers, uh, it's awe-inspiring. It really is. And so take a moment and just talk about that tradition, Norm, and now with LeBron there and, again, that winning mentality, uh, how that factors in as far as uh, the Lakers going for another championship. Well, you you look at it, you you think it was intimidating coming into the Staples Center. Think about coming in the forum where yeah. the people on the floor can really trip you. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicholson never tripped so, anyone so intentionally, far, did he? Away from you, that for players you lose a little bit of that. The best thing in the world used to be when a fan talked so much on the sideline, and you did something, you look at him. So you're in a game with the team, the fans. So they remove a little bit of that. But a winning culture, you have winning players that want to come here. They want to. It's better to win out here in Los Angeles than to win anywhere else, you know, with all the opportunities off the court. So I think players sometimes become business people, and they look up, they have an opportunity to win a championship in a market that's this big, they want to come here. New York used to have that by itself. Boston, I don't know if off the court, but as far as a reputation for winning, that's a place where winning players want to play. Again, we're talking with Norm Nixon, former two-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion with the Lakers. Jim? Yeah, uh, Nick, are you still doing television? I, you know, I didn't get a chance to see you last time we were out there, but you and Cooper doing. Uh, are you doing Laker Laker TV or clips? Yeah, we still we still doing we still doing post game show. We're working every. Um, you know, we ABC carries the finals, so we okay. both work ABC out here regionally. So we do the post game show together. Okay, how's Coop doing? How's he holding up? Coop, Coop is doing well. You know, I think he's coaching the high school team. You know, Coop been around a couple of WNBA championships as a yep. coach. Uh, Coached in the NBA a little bit, but has a little son that's high school age that's playing ball. And, Get uh, out of here. I think yeah. he's enjoyed coaching his AAU teams, and uh, he seemed to be in a good place. You know, uh, when you look at a player like Jimmy Butler, it brings to mind a player like Cooper. Those, those guys are so intricate as far as winning and losing. And to see Jimmy Butler play like he's playing, how do you define, how do you explain to Jimmy Butler? Well, you look at him, Jim, I, I tell you, once I had a chance to look at him a lot, he's not as athletic as I thought he was. Mm-hmm. But what he brings to the table, like if you watched the game last night, there was a play he went to the bucket and LeBron was complaining about being elbowed. Jimmy Butler did elbow him. 
There's yeah. another play when he was going to the bucket. I think Van Gundy said uh, Jimmy Butler goes to create contact. Doesn't even look like he's trying to make the shot. That's exactly what he did. He needs somebody in the chest. So he brings a toughness and a mentality. And uh, later in the game, he said to LeBron what LeBron said to him earlier, you in trouble now. <laughs> so he basically put that team on his back. Yeah. And then the rest of the team called a little momentum and played well late in the game. Yeah, it was an incredible performance. Norm, before we let you go, excluding my co-host on this show, Jim Jones, since this is Cavs ah. HQ, is, as you go back in your memory, uh, is there a former Cavs player that you really enjoyed competing against or just watching play? Is there a guy in your memory bank uh, from Cavalier days that kind of comes back to you quickly? Oh, I, I, I remember all those guys there. You know, I, I remember uh, uh, Austin Carr because I watched him in uh, college when he was scoring all those points. I remember <laughs> when he when he was around. Did he ever play? I know he played down. I know he's your, your your television guy. But you know, I remember remember Austin. I remember Bingo. I remember Jones. I remember Foots. Um, so there 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 are a few guys. Uh, didn't Walt come through there in the tail end of his career? Yes, he too? did. Yes, he did. I remember him coming through there. So I remember his whole career and having an opportunity to play with him. He was on the tail end of his career when he came to Cleveland. But, yeah, I, I remember a lot of those teams. That's awesome. You know, again, like I said, I played at Duquesne, so I was pretty close to uh, Cleveland, so I did sneak down for a few games. <laughs> <laughs> did you sneak in, though? That's the question. Well, they, I actually got in. I might have been up in the Raptors because it was a college day, but I, I got into a couple of games down there. Well, Norma, again, we can't tell you what a Thank pleasure you, and what a privilege it's been for us to have you on our very first uh, radio show for this season. Uh, congratulations on your career and all your success, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank, Thank you, you Nick. Thanks Talk to you later in the week. Okay. All right, that's Norm Nixon joining us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Jim and I will be back right after this. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Hey, the Canton Charge will launch a socially distant way to stay in shape while helping out a great cause with the team's Charge to the Finish virtual 5K race beginning Friday, October 9th and running through Sunday, October 11th. Presented by IGA, proceeds from the Charge to the Finish 5K will benefit the Akron-Canton Regional Food Bank. The food bank provides food and other essential items to 500 pantries, hot meal sites, shelters, and other hunger relief programs in eight Northeast Ohio counties. Every dollar donated to the food bank helps provide the equivalent of four meals. You have the opportunity to make a significant impact. For more race info, visit www.cantoncharge.com or call 866-444-1944. The Charge in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with the second half of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and of course, the fantastic staff of the Cavs radio broadcast department is here with us. Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone, yeah, Casey was here too. And of course, another member of that staff is Scott Zarilla, who's the voice of the Canton Charge. Well, there were some Charge players involved in the bubble. And Scott had a chance to talk to Cavaliers head coach J.B. Bickerstaff about the Charge players that were involved in the bubble here at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So let's drop in on that conversation. JB, great to see you. Thanks for joining us today. How you doing? No problem. Great to see you too. 
Hey, JB, all the talk about the bubble, of course, people think, well, it's the Cavaliers, but we want to talk about the charge because you had some charge players with you uh, for the past week or so. Uh, how important was it for you to have as many charge players as you could with the Cavaliers in the bubble? Uh, it was huge for us. Um, you know, not only their presence, but their familiarity with everything that's going on, uh, their ability to help and make our team better. Um, and I think that's that partnership, you know, with the charge and the Cavaliers that you need. Uh, you need to have uh, that fluid relationship and trust. And the guys are, you know, guys who have been committed to the charge for a while and have spent some time with the charge. So they're familiar with our coaching staff and they've been with us in some of our training camps uh, and things like that. So it was, it was great for us to have those guys and individually, the guys were awesome. Um, you know, in these circumstances when we're stuck, you know, around each other uh, with no place to go, uh, you want good guys around you. And, you know, the four guys that were here working with us uh, have been great to work with uh, and we've enjoyed every moment of it. What did you see from them? Was there any kind of common thread where you would say, yeah, you could tell that they were teammates? Or in addition to that, was there any, like, maybe one guy that you saw that stood out from maybe what you saw from him last year in training camp? Yeah, I mean, they, you could tell that they played together. Uh, you can tell that they were really well coached. Um, you know, we would do some drills and some breakdowns where we would do ball movement stuff, and the ball would just move naturally. Um, they would find one another. Um, you know, they had that – they could give each other that look and the guy would go back door and they would recognize and find it. So uh, you could tell that they had spent time together. Um, uh, like I said, it, it's fun to watch them play because they played the game the right way. And I think each of them individually, uh, you know, has shown improvement over time um, and showed, a, you know, an ability to contribute. Uh, you think about uh, Marquise has been great uh, running the floor, protecting the rim, uh, finishing and rebounding. Uh, Vince has been versatile, making shots. Saddam has been great defensively uh, and making shots. Uh, and Levi, you know, he plays at that steady place, but he figures out a way to get the job done on both ends of the floor. So uh, we've been impressed with all of them. Uh, we appreciate, you know, them coming and taking the time uh, to participate with us. Now, you just told me what you saw of the guys, but going in, if you can go back to the beginning, were you looking for anything particular from them, same as what you were looking for from the Cavaliers, yeah, a little bit different, a little bit same. Anything particular from them? Well, I, I think, you know, it's all the same, you know, and I think, you know, having conversations with uh, Nate, you know, we want to be a mirror, a reflection of one another uh, in the way we play. And, you know, two of the things that we talk about, you know, with our group is we want to be the most competitive team on the floor. We want to be the most unselfish team on the floor. Uh, so those were our expectations for everybody stepping on the floor. Uh, and those guys lived up to it. You know what I mean, they were, uh, they were, you know, getting after it defensively, diving on the floor, taking charges, and then sharing the ball on the offensive end of the floor, too. So, um, you know, those are our expectations, uh, and they lived up to it for sure. Coach, you mentioned Nate Ranking, of course, the head coach of the charge and his staff. You also have Sam Jones as part of your player development staff, who was an assistant in Canton. Talk about what they've been able to do. I mean, pretty much doing their job, which is getting the guys ready to play for the Cavaliers. Talk about what they've done for you. Yeah, uh, you know, the awesome part about it is they've been in every meeting that we've had, uh, even since the, um, you know, the season ended for us and we started our coaches meetings and our Zoom meetings that we were doing, they were all involved in all of those. So, you know, we had projects that we were working on, um, you know, games that we were watching and things like that, and they were a part of it. So they have a real high level understanding of 
what we're trying to do, how we're trying to play, and how we plan on getting there. Uh, so, you know, it's easy for them to coach up the guys, you know what I mean? And they were able to participate and coach not only the charge players, but they could teach um, Darius and Colin and, you know, Kevin Love and all those guys. So, um, you know, we're fortunate that we have the relationship that we have, um, you know, with our coaching staff. And, again, it should be seamless, and that's what we're working for. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, we spend a ton of time talking and figuring out. And I ask them a lot of questions. You know, I want input. Uh, from them because I trust their back basketball IQ um, and the things that they've seen in their experiences. So it's been, you know, again, I, I can't say enough about, you know, the continuity uh, and how important it is to the Charge and the Cavaliers. So would you say overall for this past week in the bubble that um, you got what you were looking for from the Charge players? And maybe what would you say that the bubble has done for those players? Uh, I think we got more than what we were asking for, to be honest with you. Um, you know, you there's the expectation of the basketball, right? But we've had to spend so much time together and getting to know one another uh, and build real genuine relationships. You know, there's been dinners, there's been team events. Um, and, you know, one person in the wrong mood or not trying to do the right thing, you know, could bring that event down or ruin it for everybody. Uh, but all those guys that you mentioned, you know, lifted up those moments. You know what I mean? Their personalities are infectious. Um, you know, you want to be around them. I got to know them better uh, than I had in the past because we got to spend all this time together. So um, I think we got more than we were expecting um, from, the, from the beginning. How about moving forward? It's one thing when you're in the middle of the bubble, you can work on drills and, and all sorts of things. But now that pretty much the bubble is over, what have you talked to the charge players about taking the next step in preparation for the next NBA and G League season, whenever that may be? Right. I, and I think that's kind of the tough part is because so much is up in the air uh, and there's so many rules in place as what we can do. But wherever the guys go, whether they stay here in Cleveland or they go back to their home, um, you know, there's things that we've laid the groundwork for that they can continue to work on. You know, there's drills that we've put in place. Uh, there's systematic things that we've put in place that they can take with them and go home and get better at. Um, so I think that's kind of where it is for all of our guys is making sure that they continue to build on the things that we've done here, again, with the uncertainty and not knowing when we're all going to be able to be back together again, but individually taking that responsibility so that when we do get back together, uh, you're not left behind. And, JB, one of the great things about when you talk about getting back together, it isn't like some teams in the G League who are here and their parent club is there. You're only an hour apart, so that continuity and that keeping everybody close together, it's got to be a great advantage for you. It definitely is. Um, you know, the, the movement, uh, the back and forth uh, is so accessible, right? The, you know, for our coaching staff to get up here just to have a coaches meeting is easy. Um, you know, we kid those guys, but it's not that bad of a drive <laughs> to get up to, you know, the CCC. So, uh, I mean, it, it makes it, you know, I think we can get a lot more out of uh, our relationship with our G League team with, um, than, you know, places who are further away. Because you just seem to, you, you miss that personal you know, person-to-person -person contact and, and, and communication when you're not together. So, um, you know, again, we're extremely fortunate uh, that our team is so close. I think it'll make us closer as an organization and better as a group. JB, I know that during the NBA season, you're busy with games, practices, shoot-arounds, travel. I get it. But the Charge themselves last year had a terrific season, ready to run right past most wins in a the season. They qualified for the postseason, the number two seed. It's, it's nice to have a G League team, 
but I'm sure it's very nice to have a successful G League team as well. For sure. And, you know, without sacrificing what, you know, things that we value. Uh, yeah. You know, like we said, like Nate and I, you know, we had those conversations about what's important to our organization. Um, you know, the character of the people that are on the team, you know, how the team plays together and how they compete together. Uh, and, you know, they were able to do that and be successful. And it's one thing that I would say about, you know, our organization is, you know, the back and forth for our guys, um, you know, the guys we signed on 10 days. And then, you know, like that's difficult for a coach. But at the same time, I think it's awesome for the guys to get NBA experience, um, you know, uh, and be taken care of in that way. So then, you know, they still go and they play with G League and, you know, they find success uh, in the win column as well. And it says a lot because the guys want to keep coming back. You know, there's guys who come back year after year. So it says a lot about the organization. It says a lot about um, the charge staff and, you know, the people that are there as well. JB, I'll let you go with this because we're running out of time. But you pretty much have answered the question. But just overall, using the G League as a tool, I think, really has become so beneficial, not to, only to the NBA, but especially the Cavaliers as a whole. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I think there's more to come. Well, JB, congratulations on a successful run in the bubble. Know you're busy. Got a lot of work whenever that next season comes around. Thank you for your time today. And we look forward. I know I speak for everybody. Look forward to seeing you at another game at the uh, Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse here real soon. Yeah, appreciate it. And we can't wait. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Coach. We'll be back with more of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams right after this. Welcome back to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn, Jim Jones. Boy, what a great show to start things off. Norm Nixon earlier and then Scott Zarilla with Cavaliers head coach J.B. Bickerstaff. Jim Jones, I would say uh, we've started things off with a bang here on Cavs HQ. It's been a fun show so far. Yeah, it has, Tim. You know, one of the old sayings that I grew up in is that uh, the most important thing is the first thing you do. And uh, this uh, show builds a foundation. And, of course, based upon where we are as a nation, as a city, and as a team, you know, our fans, our faithful fans, you know, they're looking and watching and they want to hear from us. And uh, this in this format, I love it. Yeah, I do, too. I mean, it is great to talk NBA basketball. And as I said, uh, share airtime with you. I can't wait until we get oh, back you, at it. Friend. Thank you, my friend. Thank far you. As, same, uh, same here. Yeah, games are concerned. Well, we started off the show, Jim, by talking about the, the Cavs in the bubble and uh, how beneficial it was not only for the coaching staff, but for the players as well. And let's go back to the rookies uh, that we saw play and then one that we didn't see play in Dylan Windler last year. Uh, but let's first talk about Darius Garland. Everything that I read, uh, everything that was kind of out there in social media and reports and so forth said he really opened some eyes in that bubble. Yeah, well, you know, he has that ability. You know, no one has ever questioned uh, his skill set. Uh, he's he's what we call a true point guard. You know, they're always looking to make plays and uh, and facilitate. Uh, but he can also score, and he can do it from outside. And, and we had uh, many a glimpse of uh, that ability to shoot the outside shot and to get to the rim and finish strong. But there was a lot of inconsistencies, and a lot of it had to do with where we were as a team. You know, a, a point guard, you know, they like to orchestrate. They like a certain level of stability. 
And when you're a young player with inexperience, it's going to be up and down until you get that experience. And that's and that's what Darius went through. But there's never been a question about his ability. And uh, in our league, it's all about consistency of play. Can you do it every night? And I heard he was outstanding on every phase of the game. Well, it's interesting that earlier in the show, Jim, uh, we had Norm Nixon on, a tremendous point guard Talk a little bit about the development of a point guard. Uh, boy, that has to be difficult as a rookie. I thought Darius handled it very well, but boy, there's got to be a big step forward from year one to year two. It is. It, it is, Tim, and it's a great question because because it all starts with trust. It all starts with what can you give this young player that he can absorb uh, what can you give him or show him or strategize about that will make him uh, that will make it easier for him to facilitate his responsibilities? And Darius can do it all. And so JB has a, is put in a unique situation. He doesn't have to teach him how to be a point guard. He knows how to be a point guard. Uh, he has a tremendous skill set. Mm-hmm. The only thing that he doesn't have is is experience. And to accelerate that inexperience, you know, the the game plan has to be suited so that he only has a few things to think about. We call it the power of three. You know, and the power of three is set the pace of the game. You know, when you bring the ball up the floor uh, against a tough defense, can you create some offense by dribble penetration and reading the defense? And the third thing is can they look to you for leadership? And uh, toward the end of the season, Darius was doing all three of those things, and it was basically because of the fundamentals and and, and Bickerstaff's approach with uh, he and his staff and what they want out of our young players. Because it's not all on his shoulders when you're a point guard. It's also about the guys around you. You know, how do you get them involved? And uh, we just had just a little taste, those 11 games where the Cavs went five and six. Right gave us a little taste of what could happen. And this kid is ready. Darius Garland can play, and I mean really play. He has a good understanding of the game. Uh, He has the right coach in the right place at the right time, you know, to take advantage of all of his skill sets. Uh, I just think that this kid is going to be exceptional. And, Jim, real quick, uh, boy, the more we saw of this rookie last year, the more excited we got and and the Cavs fans got in one KP, Kevin Porter Jr. Oh, my goodness. Where do we, oh. You only got two minutes, Jim. Well, I need, but you know what I need? I need some film and I need a bunch of other stuff because, well, let me put it like this. He has the potential not to be a good player. He has the potential to be a great player. And because of his size, his athleticism, super athlete, every night we stepped on the floor, he was the best athlete on the floor. Listen to what I just said. Every time we were on the floor, that, that he stepped on the floor, he was the best athlete. Now, every time he stepped on the floor, he was either the best, the second, or the third best skill set player. He is that talented. He can dribble dish. He can catch and shoot. Finally, his three-pointer is coming around. He can finish at the rim. Uh, he does all those things. He can play point. He can play the two. He can play a swing based on matchups. He can do it all. He's not afraid to defend. How many games during during that 11-game stretch did he come on the floor and make a key steal or a key block that led to an easy basket that changed the momentum or enhanced the momentum? That's the kind of player this kid is, and he's getting better and better. And, Jim, he brings an energy to the floor. 
you can feel the the players just kind of raise their energy level a little bit when KP had checked in, and even the crowd, there was a, a buzz like, we're about to see something special. Well, it's the expectations because he's shown us. He's given us a sample set of what he can do. And so people are amazed. They want to say, oh, man, let's see. Oh, did you see that? Oh, did you see this? Did you see it behind the back, the crossover, all in one motion? I mean, there aren't three players in our league that can do that. He's just an exceptional kid, and he's just a baby. He and Garland and young Sexton, young Nance. You know, and then Wendler. You know, we've got some young kids to build on, and this is what this is called. This is called foundational work. That's that's why they were in the bubble to start feeling and getting that competitive edge about each other and getting that feel for each other. And, and Jim, we got about a minute, but you touched on Wendler. He was really excited to compete with those guys here at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Yeah, I like his length. The only question I had last year was his physical strength based upon the position that he's going to play, which is going to be a three, I hate to use numbers, but it basically is a three or a war wing, those guys are super athletic, and he is athletic. The only thing I had a question because of the length of our season was his physical strength. And if he came back stronger, and I heard he's looking really good, you know, that's going to be to his benefit. The other thing, catch and shoot, he knows how to get open. He thinks the game. You know, this kid won't have a problem playing, especially with the talent around him. Can you imagine Wendler, Porter, and Garland and Sexton on the floor at the same time, maybe with with uh, Drummond or with Love? Oh, my goodness. Who's going to match up to that? <laughs> Jim, it sounds like you're excited about this season whenever it may start getting going. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. All right, we'll take our final time out, and when we come back, Jim Jones and yours truly, Tim Elkhorn, will put the finishing touches on this very first edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Boy, what a terrific first show, thanks to Norm Nixon for stopping by and for Jim Jones doing the producer work on that for lining up Norm Nixon and, of course, uh, Scott Zarilla and J.B. Bickerstaff. Terrific conversation with those two as well. My good friend and partner, Jim Jones, any final thoughts? Yeah, just 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 one. I had a great chance uh, uh, this Saturday, this last Saturday, uh, a friend of mine named Tim Isaacs. Uh, he's a great community activist. He invited me to ride in the Get Out the Vote caravan through the city of Cleveland. We started over at Luke Easter Park with over 150 cars, vans, historical cars, and uh, a bunch of community-concerned citizens. And we had a great time honking our horns. We had three policemen escorts. We laid it out trying to make people conscious of voting. You know, uh, you know, uh, I can't tell people how to vote, and I wouldn't dare do that. But it, but it is your that it is your responsibility. The Fifteenth Amendment, you know, gives everybody the right to vote, and so uh, take advantage of it. And I and I hope they do. I hope we all do. Absolutely, vote, vote, vote. Jim, thanks to you. Thanks to everybody within the uh, Cab Studio. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners, for dialing in to the very first Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. So long, everybody. <laughs>